Well, folks, it is not often that I get to say that I was both right and wrong. Um, on January 30th, I did a podcast about the coronavirus. Um, that was a month ago. And my, how times have changed and things have changed. And um, yeah, so it's time for an update. Uh, not only on how I think things are going to go, but where they are now uh, and where they need to go. So stay tuned, folks. It's about to get really, really deep in one of probably the most important episodes of the year. Stay tuned. You're listening to the show that goes beyond business and offers insights to enhance your life both personally and professionally. This is the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast with your host, Stephen J. Edelman. Strap in, it's about to get deep. Okay, now first and foremost, I consider myself a marketer. Um, well, first and foremost, as a father and husband, of course, haha. But um, marketer is a close second. Now, being a marketer means I also have to be a business analyst and an amateur economist um, and a data analyst. Um, and I, I also have to be a strategist. I have to see things coming ahead of time. Um, and Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. All I can do is watch the trends and make predictions. Um, I get my news from multiple sources. Uh, I try to keep the sources as unbiased as possible, which is increasingly more difficult uh, as time goes by. Um, so that's why I use several sources, is so that I can get an uh, amalgamation of um, information and find the commonalities that, that uh, don't seem to be biased. That all said... On January 30th, I uh, recorded and uploaded an episode called Coronavirus Concerns. And in that episode, I talked about how I thought that the media was um, overhyping the coronavirus um, and that it may end up being nothing. But what would be interesting to watch is the markets and buying trends. Um, my how times have changed. So since then, uh, I went on vacation. I was uh, in Colorado for a week. Um, and then the coronavirus really kicked into gear and it hit America and um, people started mass buying toilet paper um, in America. Nowhere else in the world, by the way, just in America. Interesting. Um, and we'll get more on that in a second. But what was really interesting is seeing, uh, especially on the drive home, how everybody was talking about it everywhere. Um, and I said on, on that episode on January 30th that it was the first day the stock markets took a hit. Well, since then, almost every single day, stocks have plunged. And it's important to note that stocks are not an indicator of the economy. They're an indicator of faith in the economy. And um, they're not an indicator of the strength of the economy. They're an indicator of um, where investors believe that business is going. So they can be an indicator of a looming recession. Now, I think there is about a 75% chance that we are headed into a pretty massive recession. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you how to survive it. Now, there, there's two different things to consider here. How to survive the coronavirus itself and how to survive the recession and what it's going to do to your business. Or if you're an hourly employee, what happens if you get laid off? 
um, or and you don't have unemployment insurance or you haven't been there long enough to have unemployment, I'm going to talk about the proposed payroll tax cut and what it means to you, if anything. Um, I'm going to talk about how I think that we can get out of this mess. So it's it's going to be a very packed episode with a lot of research behind it. Um, and regardless of what business you're in, if you are self-employed, if you are uh, if you work for a big corporation, if you run a big corporation, this episode is going to have information for you. So please listen very carefully. Uh, I've done a lot of research, and I, I really hope this helps some people out. So. First and foremost, let's talk about that payroll tax cut. Uh, the president had suggested that he would be implementing a payroll tax cut, or he would try to get a payroll tax cut passed that should help everybody. Um, what does that actually mean? Well, because employers pay about 50% of the payroll tax, um, well, actually, it's a little bit more than that, but because they pay it, they're going to see, corporations are going to see the biggest impact of their bottom line if a payroll tax cut is passed. Um the average American will see about 6% uh, decrease on their taxes for an entire fiscal year, um, entire tax year. So it's not going to be a huge thing. It's, it might save you a tiny bit of money, but not really enough to make a difference. Um, you may have heard that Wall Street got a $1.5 trillion, with a T, trillion dollar bailout. Uh, they don't need it, and, and they shouldn't have gotten it. Frankly, I don't ever want to hear that we don't have enough money for people to get, uh, in, to, to get, um, you know, we have to be robbing uh, Medicare or we need to be uh, cutting uh, programs, social programs, or that we don't have money to fix our roads or that we don't have money for um, universal health care. We don't have money for um, to help lower the cost of college. That's all bullshit. You can't tell me that if we can afford to, without question, without worrying about it, if we can afford to pay $1.5 trillion to bail out Wall Street, which will do nothing, by the way. It won't work. It won't, it won't work. It won't fix it. It won't fix the problem. It won't fix the economy. What would have fixed the economy is if we bumped up Medicare, if we made mandatory testing for the coronavirus, like most countries have, mandatory testing for the coronavirus, meaning, not I don't mean you have to go out and get tested. I'm not pushing on your limits. What I'm saying is if somebody shows up to a medical facility and doesn't have insurance or doesn't have the means to pay for it, they should get the coronavirus paid for. They are the coronavirus test, rather, paid for. It shouldn't cost American citizens a dime to get tested for this thing. Now, I have uh, people that I respect who think that the, the flu is much worse because the mortality rate is higher, blah, 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 and this is too sensationalized. Well, here's the deal, guys. It, it is quite a bit sensationalized. It's been mentioned on the news 1.5 billion times, and AIDS, in the height of its epidemic, was, uh, was mentioned like 1.7 million times. So in comparison, yeah, it's all the news is covering. And I, I did mention on my last episode where I talked about this um, from the 30th, which if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. I was wrong on a couple of things, but some of the predictions I made are scary accurate. I swear to God, I'm not Nostra Nostradamus. I don't have a crystal ball, but it's definitely uh, worth looking at. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a, like a 12, 15-minute listen. It's worth it. Go back and listen to that. But anyway, um, in that episode, uh, I did talk about how our media fear mongers in the United States. Well, it's kind of true, but the thing is they are bringing up a lot of really good points. It is not 
I mean, first of all, this thing is super contagious, uh, much like the flu. Uh, the problem is it's non-symptomatic, which means that until it's very serious with respiratory problems, that sort of thing, you won't know you're a carrier, which means that if I have it, uh, if I say I go to work and one of my coworkers has it and they um, cough and I happen to touch a phone because it can live on plastic or, or, or soft surfaces for like 12, 12 to 14 hours, say I touch that phone and then I, um, you know, I eat my lunch, right? I've just given myself the coronavirus. Now that may not be a big deal because I'm a 39 year old healthy guy, right? I'm not, I shouldn't, I'm sorry, I'm 38, I will be 39, but I'm a healthy guy. I shouldn't be that worried about it. However, I live with a 70 year old woman and if you're 65 and up, the mortality rate for this thing, especially if you already have existing diabetes, respiratory problems, um, if you have any heart problems, it, it, it has a very high mortality rate. It's like, it's, it's insane. It's a high, it's like 60%, I think is the mortality rate, um, maybe higher. Uh, and it's worse in some places. Now the recovery rate is also around 60% as uh, for those that are under 65 or under 50 and are healthy. Now, where am I getting these numbers from John Hopkins? Now, these numbers are from John Hopkins from March 10th, um, which, you know, a lot of things have changed in then, and it has spread quite a bit. Um, a lot of states have recommended that schools um, cancel. They don't want kids interacting with each other. We're supposed to have social distancing, and as a very social culture, that's kind of hard to do. Um, and it's hurting the service industry. We've seen uh, record numbers, especially in New York and Seattle and you know, all these places that have been hit by this, we've seen record numbers of cancellations and restaurants have had to lay off their staff. They've had to change things. Um, it's, it's huge, especially in bigger cities. It's really impacting businesses and some businesses who were super comfortable two months ago or even a month ago are having to either reconsider or they're, they're hemorrhaging cash. They're having to reconsider how they do business if they hope to survive. And the problem is that these employers, which are medium-sized businesses, who have hourly employees that are reporting to them, um, they might be okay overall, depending on how fast this thing turns around, uh, but their employees may not. Because they're laying off people who are hourly and are, and are depending on them to pay their rent. And, you know, I, I think that we should be, that $1.5 trillion would have been better invested in expanding our social programs. You know, we, we all... There's a big argument over whether or not socialism is a good thing. Here's the deal, guys. Every single one of us, every single day, uses socialist programs. So, for example, the highway system. If you drive on the highway, you're a socialist. You're using a socialist program. If you don't want to use a socialist program at all, you better take the gravel roads. Oh, wait. That also, in a lot of cases, is a socialist program. So you better just drive on the drive through the ditches. Let me know how that works for you. If you, uh, you, know, if you pay into Medicare you're involved in a socialist program, whether you like it or not. And I know what you're saying. I have to do that. The government makes me do that. Yeah, but you know what? It's a good program. It's there for the good of all. That's what social is. Socialism is good for all. Now, am I talking about politics? Yeah, a little bit, but it's because we need to take care of each other in these times. You know what I mean? We need to expand programs like unemployment, like Medicaid. Like, I mean, we need to be expanding these right now. And, you know, Trump saying early that he wasn't going to cut into Medicare and then proposing that we do just that, or, you know, when he cut funding to the CDC early on and he cut off communications through the CDC early on, I mean, he, it hurt us now. And 
it's telling people that it was a big hoax, the coronavirus hoax. Well, this is the first time he's a, a president has ever had to uh, announce a national emergency for a hoax. Now, is this as big of a problem? You know what? It doesn't fucking matter. I'm sorry. I'm getting really mad right now, and I, I shouldn't be cussing. You know, I try to keep this as, as PG-13 as possible, but it doesn't matter if this is a hoax. It doesn't matter if this is as big as it, as it could be, because here's the deal. If there's even a tiny sliver of a chance that this is a horrible epidemic, like they're calling it, or a pandemic, um, then we need to take precautions period. You know, uh, somebody made a really good point on Facebook the other day. I try not to get a lot of news from Facebook, but it's interesting to get public opinion from there. But somebody made a really good point. They said, if they, if the, if the governors ask that they cancel schools and they close the schools, they extend break, blah, blah, blah. Um, and nothing happens. Good. That's a good thing. It means that it did what it was supposed to. It, it's essentially, it's not forcing self quarantine, but it's helping social distance. And that's a good thing in this case, okay? I have a 5-year-old son, a 12-year-old daughter. My 12-year-old school got canceled through March 20th. And my son is getting out two hours early today. And then he's out tomorrow and Wednesday and probably going forward there. He's in a much smaller school, smaller school district. Now, what does that mean? Well, it does mean that uh, his mother or I will need to probably be home with him. Because even though... We have a daycare provider who's readily available. Uh, we would prefer to have them home. So let's talk a little bit about that side of it. Daycare providers are still somewhat safe. And I say somewhat because it depends on how well they follow advice. State health officials have been in communication with registered healthcare providers with tips and advice on how to stay corona safe, how to stay COVID-19 safe. Um, and they're, they, you know, and it's not just hand washing, it's sanitizing, it's all that stuff. So childcare providers who are, by the way, self-employed and may or may not have insurance, depending on how well they're doing, um, they are taking extra precautions. And if you think about it, other than going out to get supplies, to get groceries and or activity stuff or whatever, they don't leave the house a lot. So there's a good chance your kid is not going to get infected from a healthcare provider. And frankly, even if they do, this virus, thank God, is not affecting children the way it is the elderly. Usually viruses, I mean, you hear about kids dying from, from the flu, from influenza, and elderly dying from influenza. Fortunately, this virus has not had that kind of morbidity rate when it comes to children. So that's a good thing. Um, but you know, this does raise another concern. The reason this is scarier than the flu is that we don't know as much about this as we do about the flu. Even though there's several strains of the flu and we never know which one we're going to have. So the getting, getting the, um, getting the, the flu vaccine is kind of a 50, 50 shot because whether or not it's going to be the right strain that hits hard this year, we never know. It's something right with this, with COVID-19, we have no idea what this is. We've never had anything like this before. My five-year-old said, where does this come from? And we had to say China. <laughs> it came from Wuhan, China. That's all we really know. Cause we don't know. We don't know enough about it. And frankly, that's scary, right? But here's the other thing about all that is that even though we don't know a lot about it, we still have to act like we do. 
And what I mean by that is we have to take the time to make sure that we, we, we work on what we do know. We do know that it's highly infective, so we need to be very careful when we're in public. Social distancing is one thing, but also uh, use hand sanitizer often if you have it. Um, if you work in a service industry like a gas station, between customers, wipe down the keypad on the... Um, on the on the uh, credit card machine, okay. That's one thing nobody ever thinks of. But that pen and that keypad, everybody touches it, and then they touch their face, or then they touch it, whatever. So you know, wipe that down while you're sanitizing things. Uh, it's a great idea. If you uh, wash your hands regularly for at least 20 seconds, they say sing happy birthday to yourself, and make sure that you wash between your hands and on your thumbs and under your nails and all that stuff. Be obsessive about it, okay? And as far as toilet paper goes, quit freaking buying toilet paper in bulk. It's stupid. This is a respiratory disease. It is not a stomach bug. It is not something that's going to make you crap your pants. And I know what you're thinking. My wife is thinking this too. Well, what if we run out? You know what? And I don't mean that as an insult to my wife. She's a very intelligent woman. If we run out of toilet paper, we start using nose tissue paper. And if we run out of that, we start using napkins. And if we run out of that, we start using, um, you know, paper towels. And if you run out of that, get creative. For God's sakes, though. I mean, really, running on toilet paper and, and then also on sanitary napkins, um, on baby wipes. What the heck is wrong with people? Stop it. It's stupid. I mean, everybody's going there, you know, you can't find toilet paper anywhere. And the idea is that people are panicked that they're going to run out. So the minute they see it, they buy it. It's like, you know what, that's, that is part of the problem. And companies like Charmin and um, Angel Soft and, and all these toilet paper producers need to step it up. It's a supply and demand issue all around, but they need to step up production. And here's, here's an important fact. If you have a baby, and for some reason now they're mass buying baby formula and WIC products, which by the way, if it says WIC and you're not on WIC, leave it alone for God's sakes, please. Anyway, if you have, if you, if your child is on formula, if your infant is on formula, there's a number on the back of it, a customer service number on the back of the bottle, right? Any of the empty bottles, call them, let them know you're having trouble and they will send you some. Seriously. And, and sometimes they'll do it free of charge. Usually they'll do it free of charge, in fact. So call the number on the back of that if you even know somebody who has an infant and l let them know because there are ways to get the things you need. Now, I've been all over the map with this. I told you it was going to be full of information, um, but now it's time to get serious about what companies need to be doing, okay? First of all, if you are running a company, whether you're in management or an owner or a CEO, you need to figure out how to let your people work from home. We are in, a, in an age where telecommuting is not only possible, but it's a lot easier than it's ever been. Microsoft Teams is a free program that will allow your teams to coordinate and communicate, and uh, you can even record the uh, record the uh, the conferences that you have. Three um, CX is a great program for it as well. There's a lot of uh, telecommunications programs out there that allow you to have virtual meetings and strategize and chat and do whatever needs to be done. If you can work, I mean, look, if Amazon's doing it and Google is doing it, you should be too. So allow your people to telecommute. This will allow them, you have to trust your people. And is there a chance they're going to work less? Yeah, but they're going to work a hell of a lot less if they end up getting sick or if they have to take time off and then the government, you know, makes you pay them anyway. So 
let them work from home, trust them to do that. We have to reinvent how we do business in response to this thing. So for example, if you run a restaurant, figure out a way to do either curbside pickup or drive-through. Now, if that means people can order, call in and order it, that's one thing. If it means um, that they order it online, that's another. But curbside pickup and drive-through service is the only way you're going to survive this thing. Because here's the thing. Nobody wants to go out shopping. They don't want to prepare meals from home, even though they need to, and that's what they should be doing. They want to be going out and having their meals prepared. They want to be able to trust the people that are preparing their meals. So make sure that your people, um, especially if they're sick, that they're staying home. If you And, and give them a mask, for God's sakes, even, especially if you're working in a kitchen environment, right? But if you want to survive this and you're a restaurant, I don't care how popular you are, how much business you've been doing, you need to change your hours of operation, change the products that you offer. Maybe you start offering bagel service um, in the morning, but you need to definitely start offering curbside pickup and or drive through. Um, if you are any other kind of business who has traditionally, especially service businesses, you uh, need to figure out how you can do business online. Online is going to be the way, I mean, it's it's always been trending this way anyway, so if you're behind the curve on that, then this is your chance to get caught up and do it quickly. And the faster you do it, the more of a competitive advantage you will have. Um, you do not, you will survive this. It is possible to survive this. None of us know how long this thing is going to go on. I think it'll be for at least 30 days, maybe 60, maybe more, okay? This is going to head us into a recession. However, it doesn't have to mean the end of your business. So figure out how to offer your services online. If you offer food of some kind, so for example, I, I know somebody who sells protein crickets um, in various forms. Various, they, they sell them um, through protein powder. They sell um, the, uh, the, the, the waste, uh, cricket waste for fertilizer. They sell um, dried crickets. And it's, it's a really cool company. It's called Jim and Eat Crickets, G, uh, G-Y-M. Uh, and eat crickets, okay? They need to be selling online. Usually, she makes the majority of her money because, and, and most of her, her um, the ways that she is able to um, spread her word is by going to farmer's markets and things like that. That's going to take a downturn. You need to start selling your services online. Whether that means coming up with a full-on e-commerce platform or just figuring out a way to take orders via email, be ready to do that. And that means you're going to be you're going to have to worry about order fulfillment as well. So sit down and really evaluate your business, figure out what you can be doing virtually and adjust your business now. You I know you're afraid, but you need to be investing. Here's the other thing too. People are turning to Facebook and Twitter for their news in a big way. And Facebook has cracked down on fake news. So it's not a bad thing, it's a very good thing. And now Twitter has too. So you need to be paying for advertisements on Facebook and Twitter in a big freaking way. I mean, really invest in it because it is lower priced than it's, than it's, I mean, I can't say that it's ever been, but it's lower priced than a lot of the other alternatives that are out there. And I've said it before in previous podcasts, but that price is going to skyrocket, uh, over time. And so the barrier to entry will be harder to get into as far as uh, pay to play. So you need to be advertising on Facebook. Use their targeting systems. Facebook has amazing targeting capabilities. They have the Facebook Pixel that you can have installed on your website, and then you can use actual data from your traffic traffic from your website um, to target those people on Facebook and lookalike ads that'll target people that look like them. 
use them. And if you don't know how, hire someone who does. In fact, this is not a commercial for the company I work for, but I would be happy to actually give you advice on this. And our rates are fair, okay? Globalreach.com. That's our website. And, and again, I didn't plan on doing that, but honestly... I, I really truly believe that this is how you are going to weather this thing is if you figure out how to do your services online. If you are already an online service provider, like my friend at Trevor Ray Training, his, his service, he's a, uh, he's a digital personal trainer. He has to go to the gym, okay? He is a health nut anyway, so I guarantee you he's using hand sanitizer, he's washing his hands and all that stuff. But virtual trainers are going to make a killing in this thing because people are going to be who are self-quarantining or who are stuck at home, who are working from home, they're going to want to up their activity. And so coming up with programs that people can do at home to stay healthy where they don't have to go to the gym is a huge way to make money. It's a huge way to make this thing, to take advantage of this. Now, am I saying you should take advantage of the of COVID-19 fears and all that? No, but you have to be willing to adjust if you want to survive this thing um, financially, okay? Make smart investments, evaluate what's going on, and figure out how you can get ahead. Um, now, do not price gouge. Do not try to buy on bulk so buy in bulk so you can sell on Amazon. You, everybody's heard this story about this guy in Tennessee who got 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer from Tennessee and, and a surrounding state um, and then tried to sell it on Amazon couldn't sell it to anybody. It was in the New York Times, right? Well, now the um, state attorney general is investigating him for price gouging. Um, so he went ahead and donated all of these bottles. And he tried to say that it was so that he could help the community and make sure that everybody had a good supply. Well, that's bullshit. We all know it. He was trying to make a, a ton of money and, and take advantage of a situation. And I, I mentioned this. I literally mentioned this in that last podcast about the coronavirus. I said, you know, somebody's going to try and take advantage of it and they're going to try and, uh, I talked about an electric company, uh, electrician company that's in, in my town that did something similar during the tornado. This is a natural disaster, folks. It, it, nobody thinks of it that way as a, a virus as a natural disaster, but it is. Um, and it is going to kill a lot of companies unless they are smart about how to survive. You need to rethink how you've been doing business. You need to let go of sunk cost. You need to let go of, of past things. And you need to be willing to adapt and evolve and grow as if you were a virus. Because that's what viruses do. They mutate, they grow, they change. And you need to reinvent your company if you have to, whether it's temporary or permanent, be prepared for it to be permanent, whether it is or not. Because best case scenario, you figure out a new way to do business, a new way to service your customers that even after this thing blows over, um, helps you out, helps you with a new revenue stream. Okay. So figure it out. And if you need advice, uh, you know, every industry is different, but I have tons of advice. Feel free to reach out to me, um, at TDGR podcast on any of the social platforms. You can send me messages. You can tweet me directly. You can, um, whatever you need to do, I will answer as many questions as I possibly can, because I do have insights on how to save your business and things that could be coming that you may not be ready for, or that you may not foresee. And I can help you weather this storm. And I, that's exactly what I want to do. So stay tuned, folks. I think it's going to get crazier. I think the stocks are going to be weirder. I mean, there was a thousand point jump and the president, after he announced uh, one thing or another, and he sent it out to all of his supporters with his signature on it. And I, I just think that's weird. But anyway, if you're in stocks right now, um, 
I hope you you really divested. And if you're going to be buying stocks, Charmin seems to be doing well, and so does Purell. So their parent company you might want to look at, but I won't get into that. Anyway, I hope you found some information in this podcast that was useful and helpful. Um, if you want to know how to take your business online, I can do a full podcast on that as well. I've never done that before, but I'd be happy to. Um, SEO is going to play a huge role in it. Google ads, Facebook ads, all that stuff is going to play an important role. A lot of those things you can find um, on previous episodes of this podcast, so feel free to thumb through my library if you'd like to. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Until next time, stay safe and dig deep, my friends. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Deep Gripping Reality, please be sure to share it across social media and or follow The Deep Gripping Reality on social. You can find us at TDGR Podcast on any of the social platforms. You can also find us on the podcasting platform of your choice. Thanks again for tuning in, folks.